You're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. So one day I just woke up about a year after I had completed the trail and I thought, I want to write a book about this because I want people to know that these trails are out there. I want people to know how awesome it is to hike. I want people to know that there's no one way to hike. You don't have to be a camper. You don't have to be a backpacker. You don't have to do the whole a whole trail. Um to just get people out there and know that whatever makes sense for you is good. That was Melanie Ridzicki McManus, known as Snowshoe on the trail. And I'm Misty Ridley Little, your host for the podcast. The podcast is back after a brief pause, and I'm happy to share this wonderful episode with Snowshoe. Melanie is a travel writer from Wisconsin, whose adventures in trail racing ultra marathons led her to first the Camino de Santiago, and then to the long distance trail in her own backyard, the Ice Age Trail. In 2013, she set the women's fast-packing record on the Ice Age Trail and went on to write about her hike and some of the history of the IAT in her memoir, Thousand Miler, Adventures Hiking the Ice Age Trail, published by the Wisconsin Historical Press in 2017, which is how I came across Melanie a few months ago when I read her book. After digging into who Melanie was, I found out she was on a quest to hike all of the National Scenic Trails and, of course, had hiked the Florida Trail in 2017. It was a natural fit to have her on the podcast. Melanie completed the Florida Trail in four large chunks, and I appreciate her unique perspective of hiking the Florida Trail in this manner, and I think you will too. We all approach our hikes of long-distance trails in different manners, and I enjoy hearing how other people manage to make it work for them. All right, on to the episode. All right, well, yeah, it's nice, like I said, it's nice to meet you, and uh, you're, you're a busy lady from what I understand. <laughs> you get around and go see a lot of different <laughs> things. <laughs> Uh, I try my hardest yeah well thank you for wanting to come on the podcast to talk about uh you know your your hike at the Florida Trail but a lot of the other trails that you've done so maybe you want to start with just introducing yourself and you know who you are and you know how you got into long distance hiking it looks like you have a an ultra running and running background Uh, so we could just kind of start from there sure um my name is Melanie Radzicki McManus and I've always been interested in um, the outdoors and, and an active lifestyle. As you mentioned, I've done a lot of running and ultra running. And I also did a lot of hiking as a younger adult, but not not long distance hiking. And I never uh, camped almost at all. Yeah. My parents and my brothers and sisters and I were all born in Chicago. And I was raised the last half of my childhood in Wisconsin, which has a very active outdoor culture. But since my parents are more big city people, we grew up doing things like going to concerts and <laughs> going to museums and not really being in the outdoors. So it wasn't until 2009 when I'm a freelance writer, I should say, and I do a lot of travel writing. And I had heard about the Camino de Santiago in Spain, which is a long distance pilgrimage mm-hmm. trail. So I went over to Spain and hiked it, was just entranced by it. I created a guidebook and app form in English. I kept going back to this trail. And then in 2012, when I was uh, back running with a group of friends in Wisconsin, my home state, one of the guys there who had set the uh, fast packing record on the Ice Age Trail five years earlier was reminiscing about it. And I said, what is this Ice Age Trail? Well, he starts telling me what it is. And I'm just flabbergasted because here I'm a travel writer. I've lived in the state most of my life. I had never heard of this trail. I had I had no of the Appalachian Trail, but I didn't know what the National Scenic Trails were or anything. So I researched that very night, was just shocked that this trail was in my backyard and decided to hike it. 
and decided to hike it all at once. And it was once I hiked the Ice Age Trail that all of this long distance hiking really got under my skin. I just fell in love with it. And I thought I have to just keep hiking and writing about hiking, because I think it's so good for people, as you probably know, and listeners probably know, there's a wealth of studies that show how being out in nature is good for you physically and um, mentally. And that's exactly what I found. So I was kind of on this hiking high and I had then decided I wanted to hike, try and hike all the National Scenic Trails. So that's kind of my mission right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, I thought I was just intrigued because, I mean, you, you said you did the Camino, but you really, you didn't have the hiking background, but then you went for a speed record on the Ice Age Trail. <laughs> that would just seem like, it was like a big leap, like, okay, I've never done backpacking, but I'm going to go do this. And um, so, and you know, that was really interesting to read how you just, yeah, you went from that to... <laughs> Zero to 60. Yeah, it's not quite how it sounds, maybe. So when I was on the Camino, because it's it's expensive to go over to Mm -hmm. um, fly back and forth to Spain all the time. And because I'd done a lot of running, I thought, well, instead of hiking it, I can intersperse, you know, jog a little bit, walk a little bit, jog a little bit, walk a little bit. And then it won't take me as many days. So I'll save some money and I won't have to be here so long. I also had kids at home at the time and I didn't want to be away from them. So I use this kind of walk, jog, run to cover a lot of miles a day on the Camino with a very light pack. And I would send my bag ahead by taxi, like my suitcase with my computer and all my work, work stuff, because it was, those were always working trips as well. And then on the Ice Age Trail, um, so my friend Jason, as I mentioned, had set this fast packing record and nobody had ever tried to beat it. This is again, 2012 and America started a huge hiking boom around 2014. So mm-hmm. back then, very few people were on these lesser known trails. And so I thought I was in my 50, early 50s at the time, which is too old to set any really super tough fast packing record. <laughs> But I was thinking, okay, yeah, I can't afford to take two or three months up to hike this. I can do what I did on the Camino. I can do some hiking and running and um, I can get some story assignments, which will allow me to be out of the office. And, and then I suddenly thought, hmm, I looked at all the people who had completed the trail in 2012 on the Ice Age Trail. There were just 70 overall that had either either through hiked it, which is doing a long distance trail in one attempt or section hiked it, which is hiking the trail in any order over any length of time there were only about 20 people who had through hiked it. And of those 20, only three were women. Oh, wow. So, so being a little competitive <laughs> yeah, and kind of past my age where I could win races anymore, I thought, hmm, those three women ahead of me weren't trying to set a speed record. So I could go say 30, 35 miles a day, which is in the world of speed records, that's pretty modest mileage, even for some hikers would would be able to do that easily. And I thought, and then I'll just have be the first woman to set a speed. Yeah. Record. <laughs> so and then I got a story assignment on that. So I don't want to say it was a joke, because it was difficult for me for sure. And I know many a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that. But I knew as soon as a younger woman decided to take a crack at it, uh, she'd easily be able to beat that because most people who are setting these speed records on long distance trails generally can average about 50 miles a day. Yeah. 
So, um, and that's, that's what happened. I, I got my record. I actually had two records. I held them for five years and then a younger woman thought, Hey, I'm going to try. And she, you know, smashed my record. She actually broke the overall record too. Oh, wow. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's not, not quite as impressive as it might be. <laughs> no, but it is, it is pretty cool. Like just, to, just to be the trailblazer of a, tr of something like that in your, your category and, and to be able to know that, Hey, you were the first person to do something or even think about doing it. Right, right. And it also the reason my friend Jason did it was because he loves running, but also because he wanted to bring attention to the trail. When he did it in 2007, you know, even fewer people knew about the Ice Age Trail. And when you have people setting these speed records on them, you get more attention to the trail. Of course. And coincidentally, when I was hiking the Florida Trail, on my first or second night, uh, someone, a young man who was who was in the, the midst of setting the or breaking the fastest known time passed through. He was on his way to he's going to be hiking through Big Cypress Swamp at night. That must and, that might have been Jupiter, actually. Yes, it I was. Think that was the year. Yes. 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 So I'm so tired. He stumbled through. We were setting up at I forget if it was 10 mile camp or uh, 13 mile camp. I'm forgetting the names in the swamp. But he paused briefly and we chatted and I'm like, oh, I have the. I have the speed record on the Ice Age Trail. It's like, oh, cool. And then he hiked through the night and we learned the next morning that he had broken the record. So that was pretty fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so you did. So you obviously you have a, you have a writing background and mm -hmm. I guess, I guess the book was a natural like thing to do, or did you think about it like a couple of years after the fact and, and, and write your book? That's interesting. So my whole life, people have said to me, you should write a book. And I said, no, even though I'm a writer by trade, I just have absolutely no interest. So for all these years, when I go to professional conferences, if there were book panels, I never went to them because I thought I'm never going to do that. And as I said, um, before I threw hike the Ice Age Trail the first time, I got a lot of article assignments for magazines and newspapers and websites, but that was it. But what happened was, as I said earlier, um, hiking that Ice Age Trail just really changed my life. I really could see such benefits from being out in nature physically and mentally. And I had had such an amazing time. I couldn't get the trail out of my mind. And when I was interviewing, I had met some other through hikers along the way, got their contact information to interview for these articles I was going to be writing. And they had the same experience. It changed their lives. They couldn't get it out of their heads. They were all hiking the trail for different reasons and in different ways. So one day I just woke up about a year after I had completed the trail and I thought, I want to write a book about this because I want people to know that these trails are out there. I want people to know how awesome it is to hike. I want people to know that there's no one way to hike. You don't have to be a camper. You don't have to be a backpacker. You don't have to do the whole, a whole trail. Um, to just get people out there and know that whatever makes sense for you is good. And I thought, okay, I'll use my story of hiking the trail. And I'll, as I meet some of these other hikers, I'll tell their stories so readers can get kind of a well-rounded idea of different ways people are approaching hiking. So um, then I decided, gosh, I think I need, uh, <laughs> this is a little bit, little bit disingenuous. It's like, I think I have to hike the trail again to get more 
different kinds of notes that you would take when uh, for a book than when you take for an article. You don't yeah. do all the sensory stuff so much as what you're smelling and hearing and all that. Plus, I kind of just wanted to hike it again. <laughs> but my husband's like, you know, can't you just hike for like a couple weekends or maybe a week or two? Do you have to do the whole thing again? And I said, yes, I must do it again. <laughs> so then I hiked it from the other end just so that should a young woman break my record one day, I could maybe be still hold on to the record as the only person who's through hiked it twice, which so far I still have. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's actually pretty impressive. Like you said, with everybody hiking now. Yeah, it's, it's been fun. And then um, from once I did the book and, and had uh, done the Ice Age Trail twice, it was like, you know, I, I would love to do the Ice Age Trail again. But however, now that I know that there are 10 other trails out there, I need to find another one to start doing. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, and I guess, is that what led you to the Florida Trail? Or I mean, like you said, you knew about the Appalachian Trail, but why, why jump to the Florida Trail instead of some of these other long distance trails first? You know, that's a good question. I'm, it, what happened with the Florida Trail, jumping to the Florida Trail next was that I had a friend who had called me while I was on my second through hike of the Ice Age Trail, and she lives in Virginia. And she said, I want to go on a hike like this with you. So I looked at where the other National Scenic Trails were and there was uh, that were near her. And there was this Potomac Heritage National Scenic Trail, which is uh, uh, Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and D.C., and then the Florida Trail. And I said, why don't we do something like every January, since that's a month, it's not great for hiking in Wisconsin with the cold <laughs> and the snow. I said, we can meet in Florida and we can hike on um, the Florida Trail and we'll just do a week at a time for a couple of years. So she started practicing. Uh, you know, we both had decided we didn't like, uh, we weren't campers, so we were going to be staying in motels. And this is like, we start planning in earnest, like November. Um, of 2016 to start in 2017. And I, um, it's like now it's December and I start doing even more research and see, oh, you have to start, everyone at that time of year starts in Big Cypress Swamp and hikes north and you can't hike through the swamp in one day. So you have to camp. So I thought, oh, it's not really my thing. And I said, I'm not going to camp at all. And I said, it's just for like a couple of nights, Colleen, I'm sure you can handle it. And she's like, and my daughter was researching and said, there's alligators and panthers and snakes. <laughs> and I said, well, they can't be like attacking hikers regularly, or they wouldn't have a trail through there. Like, I'm sure it's safe. She's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, by then I had gotten super excited about it. I had started um, going on the uh, Florida trail has a Facebook page. I had started talking to other people and I just randomly decided I'm going to do this anyway. So here it is almost Christmas. I know nothing about camping, really. I randomly decide in my head that I think a hammock must be lighter to carry than a tent and order this hammock. I start look watching YouTube videos from like, you know, build a mountain man, <laughs> learn how to tie, <laughs> tie a knot to get my hammock up. Um, they said, don't go through the swamp alone. So I told my husband one day at dinner, well, I found two companions who agreed to hike through the swamp with me. Their names are Boxcar and Beer Man. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, no, they seem really nice. <laughs> and Beer Man's actually a travel writer like me from Maine. I'm sure it'll be safe. And so, yeah, it was just, it was really crazy when I look back that I, I had no idea what I was going to be doing, but I decided to do that. And I did have one friend who, from Wisconsin who had moved to Florida a couple years earlier. And she agreed that once I got out of the swamp, 
she would meet me. She's not, was not a, and um, I don't want to say she's not an active person, but she wasn't into running or hiking or anything like that. But she said, oh, I'll help maybe shuttle you around mm-hmm. and um, maybe hike in to meet you a tiny bit. And so that's how, yeah, that's how I got there. Yeah. Yeah. It was, so it was kind of interesting. So I was going back through all of your, your journal notes of the Florida trail, because it was, I, I liked your perspective because you did it very uh, unconventionally. And like you said, you are not, you're not a camper. And I liked that perspective because, you know, so many people who hike are pretty much campers. Although there's quite a few people who do, especially on the Appalachian trail who, well, uh, you know, do a lot of hotel rooms along the way. Um, but that was your primary way of, of, of hiking was to hike and get a shuttle at the end of the day or, or hike to a car and then stay in a hotel. So I kind of like that perspective. Like, did you feel, or do you feel in general, like, you know, that you're experiencing, it's a different experience, I guess, <laughs> obviously, but how does that compare? Do you think to other people hiking, you know, when they're camping all the time? It's definitely different. So um, my whole hiking has evolved since the Ice Age Trail. Um, There I was, again, staying in motels every night, partly because my friend who had set the record said it's, that's what your body is going to need. It's going to be easier to go faster if you have good rest, etc. And I also, as I mentioned, wasn't, it didn't know anything about camping and was not interested. Um, On the Florida Trail, I had to do those first couple days. And I was amazed that um, what the difference in hiking with a group of people has, as some of the listeners might know, or maybe not, when you start a long distance trail at the same time as other people, which uh, like in the case of the Appalachian Trail, a lot of people start in March and April and Florida Trail a lot start in January. You develop a camaraderie with them and you have shared experiences. And so even though I was only with this one group of people for um, two or three days, it's like, wow, I can see the appeal now if I was really into uh, camping and backpacking. And then I went back to my old system. And, and part of the reason, too, is not just that I didn't care for camping, but um, I was also trying to work while well, I'm a freelance writer with, and these hikes are often articles, I do have some regular clients, like one's a college, and I have to do newsletters for them in regular intervals. So I do usually have to be getting to motels somewhat regularly so I can keep up with my regular work, my other work. Um, but after the Florida Trail, um, I did, yeah, again, I missed the camaraderie and my next trail after that was the Arizona trail where you, there's many sections where you can't get off um, every night. And that's when I turned to become a, a full fledged backpacker and camper. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually what I do now. So, oh, really? Okay. That's good. So but I do want to say again, to, for people listening, there's no right or wrong way. Cause right. I, sometimes people would try to say to me like, Oh, you just hike during the day, you know, you don't camp, you're not carrying a heavy pack. And it's like, well, don't make me feel less than because it's like, what does it matter? Yeah. It's no different than people section hiking over the course of like 10 years. Exactly. Or for people who never like, you know, if they take a given trail and say, or say the Florida trail and decide, Hey, there's no way I want to hike through a swamp. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So Again, I'm just really big on everyone's got to hike the trail in whatever way makes sense to you and that you find enjoyable and you're going to get the most out of. So don't ever let somebody else, somebody else's opinion make you think like, oh, I'm not doing it right or something like that. Right, right. Well, 
I guess my perspective was when I was reading all of your journal entries is that logistically it seemed kind of tough sometimes because you're trying to get, um, you know, trail angel coordination or your friend was helping you. Um, it seemed like sometimes it was just a lot of work and in, in planning involved. How long did it take? Did you have to plan basic day, day to day planning or were you trying to plan a couple of weeks ahead of time knowing where you were going to be? Right. I was pl- definitely planning day to day ahead of time. And luckily the way I am or my body works, I'm generally able to make a plan and stick to it. I don't tend to have um, major physical issues come up or I kind of know, I guess, how many miles I can cover in a day when I might need to take a rest or not. Uh, and also, again, I'm still working. So a lot of the people I met on, on these different trails are either retired or maybe they're uh, in, in between jobs or something like that. So they have a lot of flexibility and they'll say like, well, you know, why would you want to go that fast? Or why wouldn't you want to take more days off in town or this or that? And it's like, well, because I, you know, I'm still working and this is the best, this is the only way I can really do it and still be back in time for my regular job. And it's not ideal, but that's okay. Someday I'll be retired and yeah, I can take my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you also hiked it in, four segments. Is that right? Sections. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And that seems also, I mean, just like the life of a section hiker in general, like, you know, you get your body going for a couple of weeks at a time, then, then you're off for a while. Then you come back and you got to get into that groove again. And I'm sure you keep yourself, you're an active person. I'm sure you keep yourself, you know, going in between those times, but just that mental space of like, okay, now, now I'm hiking again. Even if, even if you're being able to rest in a motel every night, you're still like having to, it's a big mental switch. Was that hard to do? Yeah, it is. Um, So my original thought was I would still go come back to the Florida trail uh, every January for a week or so, but because I had had such an incredible experience that first week and I felt that camaraderie with all those other people that helped me start out in the swamp and they were still all hiking on So I was watching them on Facebook and then progressing and it's like, oh, I miss it so much. I miss it so much. And then it wasn't too long after I was back where it's like, I'm going to do another, like, I don't know if it was a week or 10 days, something like that in March. So I snuck off and did another like 10 days. And I think around the time I was coming back, the group I had started with was finishing. And then my husband was supposed to go to a conference in Orlando in May. So I had actually skipped ahead in my hiking to hike past Orlando and figured I'll come back with him in May. And when his conference is over, he can hike with me. Well, so I got my tickets for May. Well, then his conference got canceled and he didn't end up going. (laughs) So I went back in May, which is just at the point they're telling you it's going to start getting too hot, but it, it was okay. So I did this section around Orlando. And by then it's like, well, now I've done almost the whole thing. And the way through hikes work, um, most trails say if you complete a long distance trail within a one year time frame, you're considered you're considered to have through hiked it. Yeah. So I'm like, well, if I can come back like November, December, <laughs> and just do that last little piece I have, then I can you know chalk it up as a through hike. So then I was like, well, nothing's stopping me now. Yeah, <laughs> so came back the day after Thanksgiving, and um, I even got a little bit of snow in the Panhandle. So it was it was an incredible experience, and I have to say, um, I've been to Florida before. I've mostly done, of course, things like Disney World and um, beaches, and kind of had in my head that that's what 
Florida was like. And it there's so much diversity and so much beauty that uh, I think people really need to appreciate that. Um, there are places where I, the Suwannee River area, mm-hmm. I could have sworn I was back home. Uh, the canals and the swamps, definitely not back home uh the birds up in the panhandle and st mark's um national wildlife refuge i believe is the name uh just incredible because we don't have you know birds like that back home and uh yeah it was it was a wonderful experience yeah i think i mean there's i mean obviously wisconsin is not florida and there's you know some differences there but there were some similarities when i was reading your book and in both the i guess appreciation of uh, some of the terrain in Wisconsin and appreciation of some of the terrain in Florida um, and that people didn't necessarily appreciate it. Like you had to like accept it for what it is <laughs> sometimes. Right. Um, yeah. And, and just, and I think you have bug issues up there, lots of mosquitoes up there in Wisconsin. <laughs> so there was definitely some overlap. I felt like just reading your book and just like even the, the quietness of both trails and you hiked it you know, you started off with people and hiking it with people. And so you got a little bit of taste of the busyness, which isn't, it isn't that busy, but then you came back in all these other sections in the off season. It must've been extremely quiet unless, except for the times you were with your friend. Oh, right. Yeah. It was definitely a quiet experience, which I really enjoyed. Um, I don't like being with huge groups of people, like crowds, like I've heard on the Appalachian Trail, mm-hmm. uh, if you're starting it when at the same time, everyone else is and going in the same direction, I would always prefer to be, um, you know, certainly have interaction with people, but not just be racing to, you know, find spots to camp and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you had a lot of trail angels helping you along. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Did you have, uh, were there any Anybody you really enjoyed or, um, or just the experience of working with trail angels to help you get down the trail? Right. Um, the Florida trail has an amazing network of trail angels. I would say similar to the ice age trail, not all trails have that, but, um, I met so many kind people who were willing to help me out. Um, the Florida trail association has lists of trail angels. You can find people on, um, the Florida trails, uh, Pay, uh, Facebook page. They have one every year, the class of, you know, 2021 or whatever. And there's also, I, I will not remember the exact name, but it's something like the Florida, Tr- Florida Hikers Association Facebook page, something like that. It's for yeah. people who want to hike any trail in the state of Florida. So you could go on any of those pages and just say, Hey, I'm in a bind or not necessarily in a bind, but can you help me out on this day? Um, and the people were so kind and so enthusiastic. And uh, I just had an amazing experience and couldn't believe how many people were willing to go out of their way. You know, one man, I got stuck. A woman was, uh, was supposed to have been picking me up. She supposedly had a taxi service um, and a, an Airbnb. And I think after I ran into her, I think there is some sketchy behavior going oh. on there. <laughs> but she wasn't able to pick me up when she was supposed to. So I, and I couldn't find anyone to help. And I thought, oh, am I going to have to hike like it was like my last day too. And I thought I'll have to do an out and back and hike like 35 miles and be in the dark. And one of the men from that I'd met on the first day, actually in the swamp, his daughter helped me set up my, <laughs> my uh, hammock. Um, he was 
you know, I think an hour and a half away or something. He said, if you can't find anyone else, he said, I will come and get you. And I think he was even like at a medical appointment. And I thought, oh, I hate to make this guy come give me a <laughs> shuttle from that far away. And luckily, um, I'm trying to remember the area I was in and I, I'm going to blank on it. But there happened to be a couple that was driving into it's a little bit of a nature preserve kind of place. And they drove in and I just flagged them down and um, just started asking questions first to assess if they seemed like, you know, <laughs> safe people. And it was a couple about my age. And then I just said, Hey, um, when I felt that they were, they would be safe. I said, by any chance, could you shuttle me to the other side of the park? And they're like, absolutely. So it all worked out well. And, um, you know, again, between the scenery and the trail itself and the people, it, it was just an incredible experience. So I would highly encourage people to try all or part of this trail. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I think you had quite a few bear encounters. Is that right? I did more than like anywhere else. It's like, what, what do you, what's with Florida and bears? Although <laughs> if you're older like me, there was that TV series, Gentle Ben from the sixties and maybe seventies oh, yeah. <laughs> right. about the bear on the airboat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I saw bear prints everywhere. I went into a bear. I was coming around a corner and a bear there was tight vegetation on either side, side and the path kind of, you're, it's almost like walking through a maze. And I kept hearing this noise and I thought, man, is it, cause people were talking about the pigs too, like watch out for the pigs, the wild pigs, wild hogs, whatever you call them. And I thought, is that a pig? Like, it doesn't really sound like a snorting. It doesn't really sound like a dog. Like what is the sound? And all of a sudden I thought, oh no, it's a bear. I don't know if they call it chuffing or huffing, but they just kind of go like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And it's like, shoot. And I'm like, cause if, I don't think a bear could come out of the brush cause it was so tight. So I thought the only way it could come at me is ahead of me or behind me. So I thought, well, I hope it's just making like a warning noise and it knows I'm going away <laughs> but it did it for quite some time and then eventually it, nothing happened and then my favorite encounter um to talk about was when I was getting off at um it was around the uh, where you have to cross right before you have to cross the St. Mark's River yeah in the panhandle and there's a little access trail it's about a mile to your car it was my last day um, the temperature had just dropped about 10 degrees. A big storm was supposed to be coming. I just needed to get to my rental car and drive back to my motel. And I turn onto the access path to the trailhead where there's a visitor center. And I see a mother bear and two cubs. Mm. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And it did not run away. And I knew it could see me and hear me and smell me. So I thought, well, maybe because that visitor center is so close, they're used to people. Then I was like, shoot, because it just wasn't moving. And I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. So of course, this is such a smart thing. I call my friend who lived in Florida, just, you know, even though there's no way she could help me because she was down in Delray Beach, <laughs> way up in the panhandle, and she's, I don't know, six hours away. And Judy, you know, what do I do? I don't know what to do. There's these bears here and, you know, they're not moving and I need to get to my car and a big storm is coming. <laughs> and she said, well, hang up the, hang up the phone and then dial 911. <laughs> I, said, I can't call 911 and say, help, I'm out in the woods and there's a bear. And she goes, well, it's a real emergency. <laughs> and I just said, well, I have to start walking toward the bear in my car. So if you hear me scream, then you hang up and you call 911 <laughs> for me. But as it turned out, the bears eventually kind of meandered off into the um, the side, but they just kind of meandered. So I thought, well, I don't know if they're munching berries or something. When I get there, they're still going to be there. But 
thank goodness I did not see them and I made it to my rental car okay. <laughs> but it was just so ironic that all the bears I was seeing were in Florida. Yeah, it's it reminds me on the AT, like we saw several in New, uh, sorry, Virginia in the Shenandoah uh, National Park. And then, I don't know, we got to New Jersey, but it was like bears everywhere in New Jersey. And Really? Mm-hmm. We saw quite a wow. few in New Jersey, and but only one in Florida. So you see, you seem to be the lucked out with the, oh the my Florida goodness. bears. <laughs> now, oh, I wanted to ask about your trail name because you were Valdery and now you're Snowshoe. And then I, I, I didn't quite understand like why you changed your name. What happened? Yeah. Yes, that's a great story. So I was so excited when I picked, I, I always wanted to pick my own trail name because I thought knowing my luck, for, for those of listeners who don't know trail names, when you're hiking long distance trails, people either pick a trail name of their own or someone gives them a trail name. And usually when you're given a trail name, it's because you've done something <laughs> silly. So I thought, oh, just it would be my luck that I'd get, you know, some I'd trip or fall and I'd get, get the trail name Klutz or something like that. So I had picked the name Valderie for the Ice Age Trail because um, there's a song, I think it's an older song called The Happy Wanderer. And the refrain is Valderie, Valdera, Valderie, Valdera, ha, 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 <laughs> et cetera. And I thought, oh, that's a great song. My mom used to make us sing it when we were kids going on little hikes. So I'll be Valderie. Well, when I had it on the Ice Age Trail, the two hikes I did, again, it was still right at the cusp of that start, uh, hiking boom. I rarely ran into anyone. So every time I finally would run into someone and they'd say, hi, you know, who are you? I would say, I'm Melanie. And then it'll be like a couple hours later. I'm like, oh, I should have said Valderie. I forgot. So I came to the Ice Ages or the Florida Trail. And as I mentioned before, I was hiking through the swamp with this group of people. And everyone had a trail name like Boxcar, Fearman, Scout, Eagle Eye, like very kind of plain names. And everyone was having problems. No one had Wanderer sign, not even the people my age. And everyone was having trouble elder having dinner. And one guy was like, uh, Val, the Val dairy. Um, I said, does every, I said, it's Valderie. I said, does everyone hate my trail name? And they all went, yes, <laughs> together. So then one woman, Eagle, I said, you should call yourself ice because of the ice age trail. And I said, well, that makes me sound kind of cold and forbidding. And then she goes, well, then make it ice age. And I said, well, then that makes me sound old. <laughs> and then um, my, I thought, well, I'm going back to, the reason I had to go back to Wisconsin and couldn't extend my trip was my son was holding, I don't know if you've heard of a beer mile. It's a running event. It's a niche thing that's become very popular and it's worldwide. But he was having a winter version called the snowshoe beer mile. So I said, I, ha I may have to leave in so many days because I have to compete in the snowshoe beer mile. So then I thought, oh, I'm one of the few people from the North. And so why don't I take the name Snowshoe because I'm going back for the Snowshoe Beer Mile and I like to snowshoe and it's a happy name. So I became Snowshoe on the Florida Trail. Now, I'm curious, because <laughs> did you feel like you had, did you feel like you were like a persona of Valderie and then you had to shed that to become Snowshoe or was it just easy to, to slide right in? Because I, I just, people don't usually change, change trail names once they get one. I was just curious how that felt. Well, because like nobody had ever called me Valderie. Okay. Literally nobody. There was one trail angel my first time, my first time through the Ice Age Trail that had left me a snack on the trail and put to Valderie. But because 
I met almost nobody either time. And like I said, the few people I'd meet, they'd say, well, who are you? And I'd say Melanie and yeah. forget, you know, that I should be saying Valderie. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't as hard to lose as I thought. And then because I said snowshoe when I was in a group of people, then they, they all immediately started calling me snowshoe. So then I just, I mean, that was really the, the one and only name I've ever had people call me on, on any kind of regular basis. So yeah. snowshoe. <laughs> Actually, one guy, Parks, that was another, you know, of these easy named people I was hiking with. Parks said he had done the Appalachian Trail and he found some people take a different trail name for every trail they hike, which I don't think that's super common because I've never heard that before. Yeah, I but either. Um, I thought, no, I'm not changing it for every trail. I like snowshoes, so I'm going to keep it. <laughs> yeah, maybe if you're like, you want to like leave behind or like shed something like each trail, that would, I don't know. It seemed like it would right, be hard right. to remember every name. So, Exactly. Now, you mentioned also earlier that you'd like to hike alone. Um, you know, the crowd thing doesn't get, it's not your jam. But because you're, you've done, you're doing these trails in like little segments and sections. And, and obviously the Florida Trail, you did it in a lot of off season. Did it get lonely out there? Or how did, how did your mindset, you seem pretty upbeat. Like you didn't have, it didn't seem like you had too many like, downtrodden days but maybe you just didn't put that on your trail journals yeah. <laughs> no I think because my so this friend Judy I have um aka 10 miler um she gave herself a trail name <laughs> <laughs> um she came out every time I the four times I came out she met me not she wasn't with me for the entire time I was out there but she stayed with me maybe three four five days every time so that made a huge difference and then I usually had people shuttling me because I had a rental car because I was going back and forth to these motels. So then, you know, you talked with people on your daily shuttles and I was um, meeting other people on the Florida trail because it was, I hiked, you said the off season, but I think for the through hikers, most people want to hike when it's not hot out. So yeah, um, a lot of people were still out there like in March for sure. Maybe not so much in May. Um, and I guess not so much in de December when I came back, but uh, no, I didn't find it that, that lonely. And there's people, you know, the trail in Florida, like the Ice Age Trail, they're kind of similar. They're about the same number of miles long, about mm -hmm. 1200. They're both still being built and are maybe two thirds finished and a third roadwalks. Yeah. So when you're on some of the roadwalks, you're going into little towns and you, you know, talk to the shopkeepers, you tell them what you're doing or whoever you're passing so I never found it um, lonely. No. Okay. Okay. Now, did you ever wish that you were backpacking on the Florida Trail? Did you ever wish like oh, this would be a great place to camp, or were you just did that ever not cross your mind? Oh no, it did because again, I started those first couple nights, and even though it was just those first couple nights, um, I found myself the entire rest of the trail every section I'd be hiking all day, it would be like, this would be a good spot for my hammock. This would be a good spot for my hammock, <laughs> but it's too early in the day to set up my hammock. So like, you know, what would happen? What, what am I going to see toward the end of the day? What if I had to put my hammock here? Where would I put it? And yeah, I really knew kind of knew on some level that even though I was still doing the motel thing that I would, I would was going to be continuing on with this and um, moving into more of the camping and hiking, you know, again, it's not like I don't like to to hike with people. I just don't like the enormous crowds, but right. I thought it would certainly be fun to hike another long distance trail, if not with somebody with people um, on and off during the, the trip. Right. 
right, right. So since you didn't carry a full pack for camping, what was your gear like? Do you just keep some food and water, maybe a little like a first aid kit sort of thing? Sure, food, water, first aid kit, um, extra socks in case, you know, you uh, need to change socks. On the Florida Trail, I will say I had, it was hot and I'm not a hot weather person. And at that time, I didn't have, um, I don't think I had a, well, no, I did have a water filter because I had to use it in the swamp, but I wasn't into the idea of filtering water, okay. which now it doesn't bother me at all. So I would toss in like 12 water bottles. I don't know what size, not humongous <laughs> ones, but I don't know if they would be 12 ounce. So the pack was actually pretty heavy <laughs> starting out in the morning because it was all that water. And then as the day went on, of course, I'd, I'd be drinking it and it got lighter and lighter. But it was a, it was a, um, I think it was what they call like a weekender pack. It's, and I don't remember the number of liters it was because at the time I, I wasn't really into backpacking. So I just knew this is bigger than a day pack. So it wasn't the tiny camelback. Okay. Um, so I could toss all that water in and like I said, just extra shoes or clothes or something. If I thought it was maybe going to rain that day. Um, I did have a sun umbrella, which I never mastered the ability to, to tie it on my pack string or pack strap so that I don't have to hold on to it. I watched some videos on that and, and couldn't get the hang of it, but that's something I plan to master in the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The hiking umbrella thing, I have not, that's one thing I haven't, we have not jumped into, even though it seems to be gaining in popularity and especially in, in sunny areas. And obviously if it's raining. <laughs> yes. But, yes. Yeah. So definitely something to look into. It's not something we even have attempted either. So uh, I just wanted to transition to, um, do you, do you think you'll be back on the Florida trail at some point in time or are there sections you would just like to go back and rehike, maybe even camp overnight? Oh boy. I don't know that I'll be back in the near future just because I'm trying to hike the other national scenic trails, but I did one thing that I was disappointed in was Bradwell Bay. So oh, yeah. on the Florida trail, there are two sections of swamp, big Cypress swamp, which um, I went through with that group of people. And then Bradwell Bay was another area much shorter. I, I don't remember for sure if it's like five miles or eight miles or something compared to 30 some in um, big Cypress, but I was going to be by myself. And by that time, it was near um, the end of my hike, I felt pretty experienced. And I thought I'm going to tackle Bradwell Bay on my own. And I had just heard some, you know, stories about how the water could be so deep. So I was really nervous. And the trail angel who dropped me off had no idea whether there was um, water or how deep the water was at that point. But she had told me some stories about a different portion of the panhandle where she had um, like the sand was kind of mucky, almost like a quicksand thing and how she had gotten um, sunk up to, I don't know if it was her knees or her, you know, the tops of her legs and thank goodness someone was there to help her out. So I get to Bradwell Bay and I'm like, gosh, I thought like, where's the water? Where's the yeah. water? I'm not seeing any water, but I step into like this quicksand kind of stuff and suddenly I go down into my knee and then I try to get it out and it's a little difficult and I get it out and I go in again and I'm like oh no this is like what Linda told me about and I somehow make it I don't know how long it took me to go maybe just a quarter mile and I thought I'm going to be out here forever if I have to go five or eight miles or whatever it was to get through that section but then after about a quarter mile that mucky stuff stopped and all I had were found were two tiny puddles. So apparently it was 
super unusual at the time of year I was there, have which, you know, part of me was a little relieved, I guess, because I was, that muck was a little scary, but the other part of me was disappointed. because so it's like, oh, I wanted to say I made it to the swamp by myself. <laughs> right, And right. I think they even have a, a Bradwell Bay hike every year. It's some kind of event, you know, yeah, because I think it is do, normally yeah. pretty difficult. So, yeah. yeah. So I would maybe come back and try to do the Bradwell Bay hike event or whatever it is. <laughs> I know you've done a lot since you've done the Florida trail, you know, done the Natchez trace. I think like you've biked it and then you've, did you hike it this last time? You just came back from hiking the Natchez trace. Yes. Okay. And then you've done the Arizona trail. So maybe uh, fill us in on some gaps between the Florida trail and, and what, and today, what, what have you been doing? So while I was hiking the Florida trail, um, I, I, started the North Country Trail in the summer. So I was on the Florida Trail January, March, May. I started the North Country Trail in June. It just I just did like 10 days. Then that September, my nephew is getting married out on the East Coast. So my husband and I through hiked the New England Trail. It's only 215 miles. So that was like a little week trip before he got married. Then we came back or then I came back to Florida to finish the Florida trail in December. So that was a really busy year. Yeah. And since then I've hiked more, I've been hiking the North country trail uh, in sections every single year. I've done more and more that one's the longest of the national scenic trails. It's over 4,600 miles and I've yeah. done about 1400 so far. Okay. And then I've done the Arizona trail, the Natchez trace. And then I started the Potomac heritage national scenic trail in March of 2020, which of course we all know what happened. That, I was on it six days of what was supposed to be a five week through hike and then COVID um, sent me home. So I'm hoping to go back to that and finish that trail this September and do more of the North Country Trail. And once I've, I get the Potomac Heritage Trail done, then all I have is, well, not all, it's, I've, uh, you know, the North Country Trail is still out there, but then I just have the, what are called the three triple crown trails the Appalachian Pacific Crest and Continental Divide in the Pacific Northwest. So those are a lot of miles. Of yeah. A lot more rugged, maybe not so much the Appalachian. Well, it's rugged, but it's so, there's so many people on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of the others are a little more, more extreme. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I need some hiking people. I don't want to go into grizzly beard territory alone. That's yeah. That's nerve wracking. <laughs> and I have not yet mastered the, the bear bag hanging thing. I had a um, bear canister and I've had like opsack lock sack. I think they're called these like uh, plastic bags that are supposed to be scent proof. You put your things in there and clip them up and, except then like some mice just fit through them one night. I'm like, well, <laughs> how is that supposed to be preventing bears if a, a mouse can bite through it? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, so do you have one that you prefer to finish first or you're just like, I'm going to hack away whatever I can, whatever I can. I, I think I'm going to just kind of see what fits in with the times of year I have open for hiking uh, with my work schedule and family schedule. But um, that being said, I kind of am thinking I'd like to start the Continental Divide next spring, maybe. I believe they recommend to start in the south, uh, the end of April or May. And I would for sure section hike that I, I would section hike, I think all the rest of them just because they're so long. And I don't, I would not have the ability with my job to be away from 
work for four, six or eight months, nor right. would I want to be away from my husband that long. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, it's all kind of, who knows? I mean, you just never know yeah. what's going to happen. But um, I really hope that I, I'm really going to make a strong push. I'm going to turn 60 in September. And I already have like an arthritic big toe and big thing, little things like that, that it's like, you know, you don't know how many hiking days you have left when you're older. And so I'm going to concentrate on my 60s as being the year to get these guys done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good decade, get some trails in and I mean, your husband could be your trail angel for the AT. You just, you know, meet you at all the forest roads, take you to town. <laughs> I may every year because he's not retired yet either. So once he's retired, that'll be a game changer too. But I, every year I say, okay, here's what you're doing for your year. You're taking one week and you're going to be on the North Country. And you take another week on the carriage with me. <laughs> <laughs> so he's pretty um he's a great guy that way he's game for all of that now do you think you will write another book about all of these adventures you know actually I do and it's been interesting I yeah I, I do because what I'm finding is as you the more of these trails you hike the more people I'm um meeting over and over again for example parks who I met on the Florida trail mm-hmm. and hiked through the swamp with he later just totally coincidentally decided to hike the New England Trail on the exact same days my husband and I were doing. So we met him out there. Um, there are some people I met on the Arizona Trail that I ran into on the Potomac Heritage Trail. And I'm friends with a bunch of them too on Facebook and things like that. So I thought I could see something similar too, where you talk about all these different you know, my, my hiking of all these different trails, and then you can kind of connect, make a coherent narrative, because you can talk about the stories with all these other people you're meeting. And, and again, they've all they all have different reasons for hiking ways for hiking, etc. So um, I think that would be compelling. And like one of the couples that I met on, on uh, the Arizona Trail that are out east on the Potomac Heritage they were kind of getting me into dehydrating food. And I'm like, no, and that's one thing I'm never going to do. Well, people, as they always say, never say never. <laughs> I was never going to camp. I was never going to backpack. Guess what I got for Christmas? A, a dehydrator. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't done too much. Just let's see, bananas, strawberries, and some pasta. So I'm starting really easy. Oh, and some vegetables. But um, yeah, I, it's just been a blast. And that's another thing, I guess, if, if people are listening and think, I don't know if I could do that. Look at me. I mean, I can't believe I'm doing half this stuff. If you are interested and think you want to try, there's so many people that are so happy to help you with anything, whether it's how to find a sleeping bag or dehydrate food or whatever. And and I'm also trying to write a lot of blog articles on my website, which I've turned to be really hiking focused on articles for newbies like me um so anytime something happens like when I was on the Arizona trail and it was super windy one night and it's like or in the morning too it's like how do I get out of my tent when it's this windy (laughs) right simple basic stuff yeah I know it's I I mean I somehow did it it didn't work that well and it's like okay I have to research this or how to cross water safely or you know hiking umbrellas why would you want to use one or not or you know so I'm just always trying to help other people who are getting into hiking um, by writing like useful things right right so do you, what do you have planned for this summer do you have anything up your sleeve for uh, north country trail yes i am 
Um, so the North Country Trail, uh, the most trail miles, well, I should back up. The North Country Trail runs in the west from the middle of North Dakota and the east um, to Virginia or Virginia to um, the middle of Vermont. They just got a little trail extension passed through Congress. And it has the most trail miles of its 4,600 miles in Michigan, about 1,100 are in Michigan. So I'm in Wisconsin, I've done Wisconsin, I've done a little bit of Minnesota, and I've done all of the UP, the Upper Peninsula in Michigan, and I made it into the top of the Lower Peninsula. And I hope to, I don't think I can quite finish it this summer, but I'm gonna try and do about 400 miles in July uh, in the lower peninsula. And I, my husband will join me for part of it. And I have another hiker friend who's, I've gotten kind of her, her and her husband lured into the, some of the long distance <laughs> hiking. So she's joined me on that just trace, the Arizona trail and the North country trail for a little bit. So that's been fun. So yeah, I'm right. looking forward to it. It's going to be hot and humid. I know that. And yeah. But if you want to get some of these trails done before you're too old, you got to you got to hike in all the bad seasons, good and bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're going to do a shorter, not national scenic trail, you should come, come to Texas. We have the Lone Star Trail. It's about, it's not quite 100 miles, but you could wrap it up in a week. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and it's a, it's a nice, uh, there's some small road walks, but it's mostly all through Sam Houston National Forest. And um, definitely don't do it right now because it's summertime and, uh, and all of that. I would do it October, November, probably would be a good time to do it. Um, but yeah, I did do a, lo a lot of hiking through Big Bend. Oh, yeah. And that was That's amazing. Nice. That was just amazing. In fact, I think I tried to hike every trail in the park because I was there a full week. And yeah, beautiful. There's so many good trails around here. Yeah. I wish I had known about this when I was younger. But yeah. You can't, you can't look back. You just have to look forward. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, where can, uh, you know, people buy your book and, and follow you online and, and all of that good stuff? So I have a website called The Thousand Miler. I'll just spell it. T-H-E-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D-M-I-L-E-R.com. And I have all my trail journals up there for the, the trails I've done. I would if you're going to do one, I'd recommend reading through them. I, I read through other people's trail journals just to get some sense of what I might be um, heading into. I have a lot of my travel articles, mostly just the ones that are um, uh, hiking or outdoors focused on my website. I've got my book you can purchase there. I have um, events where I'll be appearing at in case anyone's interested. Most of them right now are in the Midwest, but you never know. <laughs> I'm speaking at the American Volksport Association's biennial meeting, which happens to be in Wisconsin, but I'm also looking into some talks in Virginia. So um, that's another spot or another uh, tab on there. So yeah, check it out. And I have my blog there. If there's any article you or a topic you haven't been able to find much information on, you can message me through my website and I would ha be happy to research it and write up a, a blog post on it because yeah, there's, there's a lot to learn and you know, that's okay. And I want to learn as much as everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I do want to thank you so much for, um, well, for writing the book it is a great book. Uh, I appreciated the different perspectives you offered and it wasn't just, you know, a straight memoir it was like you said an uh, an offering of all the different 
people who'd hiked before, a little bit of history, a little bit of uh, information on the terrain. Uh, I appreciated all of that. And but also thank you for coming on the podcast to talk about your hikes on the Florida Trail and all the other things you're, you're doing um, and just being inspiring and knowing that, you know, you don't have to be 20 or 30 years old to go out on these trails and, and, and put in the miles. You seem to make it work with your job and and you still get to do tons of miles every year. Well, thank you so much for having me. I had an awesome time, and yeah, my really my mission for the rest for the rest of time is just to get people out on the trails and enjoying them. It's, it's, it's spreading the gospel of the trail because I just <laughs> think it's it's so beneficial, and there's so much beauty in our nation that I just hope I can get a lot more people interested in checking them out. That's it for my conversation with Snowshoe, and I hope you enjoyed it. You can find the show notes for the podcast at orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com and find the podcast on Facebook and Instagram as Orange Blaze Podcast. Until next time, happy hiking. <laughs>